I removed a feature from one of the applications I managed this week, and I used a Fermi estimate to validate that it would be safe to do so. What's that you say, a Fermi estimate? And why do I think Fermi estimates are one of the most powerful analytical tools in the product manager's toolbox? Indeed, possibly the most important analytical tool. Well, one of the topics that's always high on the list of challenges for product management is analytics. And I've done some recent episodes on analytics. I'll link to some of those in the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 318. But I'm going to give you a somewhat different and I hope meaningful and thought-provoking perspective than you're probably used to hearing. That's what I always aim to do with this podcast. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, the podcast for product managers, product marketers, innovators, founders, and everyone who wants to create more value in the world by creating solutions to problems that need solving. That is to say, anyone trying to create successful products in the market. This is episode number 318. Being data-driven is all the rage in product management nowadays, along with topics like growth hacking. But I was thinking about the real situation of product management most of the time, which is a state of massive uncertainty about what you should do next, in particular with regard to the amount and level of actual data you can bring to bear on your decisions. I'm not saying that growth hacking isn't a thing, a useful concept, and something you can do, but it's really applicable in specific time and place in the life cycle of your product. And the techniques of growth hacking are not all that useful if you're trying to decide on whether to implement a new feature in your product that might enable you to sell into a whole new market, for example. Or as in my case, if I should remove a feature. But it got me thinking about the question in general, how analytical do you have to be in general to be successful at product management? And I have a simple answer, or a stab at it. Basically, you have to be able to do a Fermi approximation. So what is that? The technique is named after nuclear physicist Enrico Fermi, who won the Physics Nobel Prize in 1938, before creating the first self-sustaining fission chain reaction in 1942, and who then went on to be one of the top scientists in the Manhattan Project to develop the atom bomb during World War II. A brilliant theoretical and experimental physicist, he made huge contributions in many areas of physics. So here's a quote from a great book that I mentioned in the last podcast, How to Measure Anything by Douglas Hubbard, with an example of Fermi using this technique in teaching. I'll put a link to the book in the show notes, of course. The value of quick estimates was something Fermi was known for throughout his career. He was famous for teaching his students skills to approximate fanciful-sounding quantities that at first glance they might presume they knew nothing about. The best-known example of such a Fermi question was Fermi asking his students to estimate the number of piano tuners in Chicago. His students, who were science and engineering majors, would begin by saying they could not possibly know anything about such a quantity. Of course, some solutions would be simply to do a count of every piano tuner, perhaps by looking up advertisements, checking with a licensing agency of some sort, and so on. But Fermi was trying to teach his students how to solve problems where the ability to confirm the results would not be so easy. He wanted them to figure out that they knew something about the quantity in question, even though they didn't necessarily know that they knew that. So Fermi would start by asking them to estimate other things about pianos and piano tuners that, while still uncertain, might seem easier to estimate. These included the current population of Chicago, at the time a little over 3 million people, the average number of people per household, maybe two or three, the share of households with regularly tuned pianos, not more than 1 in 10, but not less than 1 in 30, say, and the required frequency of tuning, perhaps once a year on average, how many pianos a tuner could tune in a day, 
maybe four or five, and how many days the tuner works, maybe 250. So that's the end of the quote. Now to get the final estimate of the number of piano tuners in Chicago, you'd combine all these guesses, in this case by multiplying them together, and get a range of numbers something like 30 to 150. Now this was in 1938, there's probably a lot more now, with a median around 50. So is this the right answer? Well, it's probably not. It's obviously not even an answer, it's a range. Can you get a better answer? In this case, you could, because you could actually go do a census in some way. Now, even then, you'd have an answer with some level of uncertainty. What if there were some piano tuners who didn't advertise or some who worked part-time and maybe thought, said they were something else? So there's a lot of decisions that we make as product managers where we can't go out and do a census. So unlike the piano tuner situation, like how many people will buy our product next quarter? Well, there's no way to measure that. It obviously hasn't even happened. We can only estimate or predict that value based on what we know today. And for a lot of product management decisions, and most of the really big ones, that's the level of granularity you get to use. Because the information you have available to make decisions with is highly uncertain, just like the quantities that Fermi was asking his students to work with. Now the good news is that you don't need to get more granular than this if you know how to manage the situation. It's good news for two reasons. One is, as I mentioned, you don't have the information anyway. The second reason is that although th these metrics are highly uncertain, there are techniques that will allow us to make good decisions in spite of that uncertainty. The key idea from Hubbard's book, well, there's a lot of really good ideas in there, but the one that was most important for me to hear is really the following. Every decision or measurement is uncertain. Some are more certain than others, and some of them look like they don't have much of an error component, but the fact is that all measurements have error bars. You have some measurements that have very large error bars, but which are often also the ones that are the most likely to make a big impact on the business. Despite this high level of uncertainty, these measurements are still useful and critical for making these big decisions, and they're manageable if you pay attention to the error bars of the level of uncertainty and how you should interpret that. So in this set of very uncertain measurements, there's many that product managers need to do. For example, Let's say I'm making a new feature, or I'm considering making a new feature, and I think this feature will enable us to beat our competitors in certain kinds of deals. Now, the thing I really want to know, the thing I'd like to be able to measure, is how much it is worth for us to create this feature. Well, we know roughly how much it will cost, but we need to have a sense of whether the incremental revenue, that is, the additional deals we will win against the competitor, will offset the cost and give us a good ROI. Now, there might be other reasons to do this feature besides its ROI or its incremental revenue, but just for the purpose of this discussion, let's just think about that. The incremental value of the feature is related to how many deals we will win because of this new feature that we would have lost in the past. And obviously, we think we'll win some number of new deals. And obviously, I can't give an exact number for all the reasons I've talked about already. The biggest problem is that the thing hasn't happened yet. It's about the future. So to get the exact answer, I'd have to predict the future. So I have to estimate. And to keep it simple, I can think of the metric I'm looking for as a Fermi estimate as roughly the number of deals we'll be in versus this competitor times the percentage of deals where this feature will enable us to win the deal. Now, I don't know those numbers exactly either, of course, but on the other hand, I have a good idea of how those numbers have looked in the past. How many of those deals have we had in the past where we're competing with this competitor? How many of those have we won? How many more do we think we will win given our new feature? You know, I don't think the competitor is going to go away, so I can maybe use some historical data to help me estimate. Our market is growing a little bit, so that's going to help me understand how many more deals I'll be in. 
And so I can kind of make a prediction that we'll have as many deals with those characteristics next year as we did this year, meaning that we're competing with that competitor. And I can assert that because of our new feature, we're going to win 50% more of those deals than we currently do. And I can put some level of uncertainty around that. Maybe it's, maybe it's between 30 and 70% of those deals will win. I'm going to say 50 as sort of my, the number that I'll calculate with. So I'm not certain about any of these numbers, but there's a reason to believe each of them. And for each of them, I can assess my level of uncertainty, and Hubbard goes into some techniques for doing this, and I can have other people grill me on my estimates, and there's lots of different ways to do some checking. Now, it doesn't mean that my level of uncertainty goes down necessarily, although there's ways to improve that as well, but at least I will know where I stand, and I'll be able to say, yes, I think this feature will return a good amount of money to us based on these estimates with a certain level of uncertainty that is manageable. So using those educated guesses, I come up with a good rough estimate of the potential number of new deals that we'll win that we might have lost previously. And then I can create an, an estimate of the incremental revenue that this feature might enable us to get. Now that's a Fermi estimate because I started with some information that I do know to give me a good idea of something that I don't know, in fact, that I can't even really directly measure. Hubbard would actually say that in many cases, a Fermi estimate is not actually a measurement According to his technical definition of a measurement, it has to be based on new observations. This particular estimate is based on what we already know or that we're making an educated guess about. On the other hand, if you don't know the number of deals you were in versus that competitor last year, well, that is a new measurement. You probably have the data, and you may, but you may need to come up with that number in order to make this estimate. So I can test my level of uncertainty and the calibration of my uncertainty levels this is my confidence in the estimate or the, the realistic confidence of the estimate in several ways. Now, I'll, I'll share one technique from the book, and I recommend you check out the book for more. This is from the chapter called Calibrated Estimates. How much do you know now? The first technique he mentions for improving the calibration of your estimates is what he calls equivalent bets. It's a little complex to explain the details of this, so I recommend checking the book for that. But he also offers another calibration training method. In other words, we're calibrating our uncertainty or our confidence interval. And one of those ways is just to simply introspect about the potential problems for your estimates, and that can improve your calibration. You assume your answer is wrong and then explain to yourself why you were wrong. Anyway, I think it's interesting that this is actually similar to what Chip and Dan Heath recommend for testing your decision-making in their great book called Decisive. They have a technique they call the pre-mortem. Before committing to a decision, you run a mental or a group exercise where you, made the, you pretend you made the decision and it turned out badly, and then you do an analysis of what went wrong. And this can often help surface problems with the initial decision that are hard to find in other ways before you even made the decision. You just sort of say, if I make the decision, this decision and it went wrong, what are the things that could have happened to cause that? And then you can use that mental model about what might have happened in the future to help figure out where you might have gone wrong. Pretty powerful technique. It's very much like this idea of how to calibrate your uncertainty level or your confidence interval that Hubbard mentioned. So back to the Fermi estimates. Why do I say this is the most important analytical tool for product managers? Especially because we hear so much about how product management should be data-driven. Well, the fact is that data-driven works great for being the product manager of an app with many users, 
most of whom are similar. And it's not exactly that I'm not being data-driven when I do a Fermi estimate, but I have a lot more uncertainty than what we typically think of as being data-driven. But if, you have, if you're managing something like a casual game or a social network, there's tons of users, and the scale often of the application itself is so constrained in terms of the number of things that people do that you can make a small change and immediately have statistically significant results about whether the change had an impact on your user's behavior, whether that's desirable or otherwise. For a social networking platform like Facebook, it's also true. Once you have 100,000 daily users on a social network site, for example, especially if the site's growing, you can get good data feedback when you make small experiments, then ratchet your ability to grow and retain users over time by making lots of small tweaks. That's the essence of growth hacking. But there's a lot of products where this kind of data, a lot of statistically significant data that you can gather based on small, easy-to-implement experiments, like, for example, a lot of enterprise products that don't have hundreds of thousands of users but have maybe tens of thousands to tens of thousands, a lot of that data is not available. And it's truly not available for most significant new features, whatever your product. For example, no matter how big your product is as a social networking tool or an online game, it's pretty hard to growth hack your way into deciding if adding a camera to your product is a good idea or not. You have to have a hypothesis, an educated guess in the mode of a Fermi estimate, and then test that. Now, I'm also not saying that you don't have to be analytical to be a good product manager. This is analytics. A lot of the high-tech companies used to use Fermi estimate exercises as part of their interview process, such as how many ping pong balls can fit into a 747. And this is because we as technologists have an intuition that being able to do a Fermi estimate to break down an unknown into a set of related terms that are more known, even if we have uncertainty, is a sign of an important analytical ability, one that's especially useful and important in the world of uncertainty we find ourselves in when trying to invent new things in the world. And the reality is those companies still ask those questions, but usually not about random things like 747s, but more like how would you estimate the size of a market for something that you're going to build. So how can you use this information today? Well, first of all, you have a name, a Fermi estimate, for something you may have been doing already. And if you weren't doing these kinds of estimates, you now have a new tool in your mental and analytical toolbox. You also have an idea of how to manage these estimates, namely by being able to assess your uncertainty levels and confidence intervals, and how to get better at that by improving your ability to estimate your confidence level. And finally, I hope you have a different perspective on what exactly it means to be analytical. It's not just about growth hacking and pirate metrics. Many of the most important product management decisions are not amenable to that type of analysis and need a different approach. So thanks for joining me on episode 318 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. Take a look at the episode notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 318, where you'll find links to the books, episodes, and other articles and things that I mentioned in the episode. You can leave me a comment with your thoughts on using Fermi estimates for product management analytics. If you like this episode, please subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcast subscription method. And please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. This feedback is very helpful and helps others find the show. So until next time, this is Nels Davis for all the responsibility, none of the authority. Bye-bye. We have ignition.